Welcome to the first episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, I have the honor to interview my good friend and bass player for my band, Tristan Egner. And we are live. This is Leander Young of Improv Exchange, and we have Tristan Egner. What's up, Leander? How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Well, could you please <laughs> introduce a, yourself to a, people? It's been, <laughs> yeah. it's been a long time it's, uh, <laughs> since uh, since we we worked together. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's really nice to get back in touch with you. Likewise, Tristan is also my bass player for my five albums. With me, he's actually the co-leader of the Oatmeal Jazz Combo. Oh man, did I get promoted? That's amazing. <laughs> man, co-leader, that's that's nice. Yeah, we've we've made quite a few albums. Like uh I got my Pandora on shuffle and uh every once in a while it plays a tune. I'm like, man, that sounds familiar. And so I was like, that's gotta be oatmeal jazz. <laughs> and and lo and behold it is. It's 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 streaming and I'm like, man, yeah, I remember those times. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, how are you doing, Leander? I can't complain. Obviously, you can see you're my first guest on my podcast show. It's an honor to have you, sir. And just tell the people a tad bit who you are, your background, and we'll go from there. Oh, well, I'm, I'm your friend, and that's that's all that matters, really. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm Tr- uh, Tristan Egner. I have a doctorate in uh, the musical arts, the DMA, or as some of my friends call it, that, that doesn't mean anything degree. <laughs> um, but I got my doctorate from uh, SUNY Stony Brook uh, out on Long Island and my master's. And then for my undergrad, I went to Eastman School of Music for two years and then finished my bachelor's at Lawrence University in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. And uh, from then on, it's been, uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff, a lot of touring, international touring, uh, a lot of projects, recording with you. Um, and for the past eight years, I've been, um, for half of that, an assistant, but now an associate professor of music at Southeastern Oklahoma State University. This rolls right off the tongue, uh, here in Durant, Oklahoma. And so I've been teaching jazz theory, uh, uh, improv seminars, music history, uh, applied tuba, uh, euphonium, whatever they have me do, like, I'll, I'll do it. Um, so that's, that's what I've been up to. And then, uh, recently just got a job in North, uh, at, at Northwest, uh, Wyoming College. Beautiful up there. Can't wait. We're practicing fishing with my wife. It's going to be great. Um, and so I'd be teaching the same stuff there, but it's, uh, up in the mountains and, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, so with the touring, I, I was with Synergy Brass for, for a couple years. Uh, and we went all over the place. That was the, probably the most fun, uh, worst paying job I've had, <laughs> but it was, it, I wouldn't trade it in for anything. Um, uh, toured with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra, uh, quite a few times, both on cruise, on a cruise and also, uh, on the night train. <laughs> it's the, it's the, uh, the bus that they used to travel around in. I, I think that's been decommissioned. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, and then, uh, now I've been playing down in Dallas a lot. Uh, meeting a lot of people down there. Now I'm leaving. I gotta go see what it's like, what jazz is like up with the bears in Montana. So that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been doing. Uh, oh yeah. And recently I just became a buffet cramping BNS minor Western artist. Now I took your lead, Leander, a long time ago. You 
you told me, like, why don't you get sponsored by an instrument company? Remember this? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're like, just go with, you know, Yamaha or something. Or, or you know, I'm like, well, okay. And then so I, I've been thinking about it. And, and it's like, well, I play a, I play a Minel Weston tuba. It's an E flat, 2145 E flat, large bore. I, I use it for everything. Um, so I'm just like, okay, Minel Weston. So I check that out. Like, they're owned by BNS, which is a German firm. Uh, and then BNS was, uh, is owned by Buffet Crampton, uh, out of Paris. Uh, it is one of the, the oldest and most, the legendary, uh, instrument making uh, uh, companies out there, in, in, instrument manufacturing. They're mostly known for like clarinets, for their clarinets and their uh, reeds. Uh, but they happen to own my uh, BNS, which owns Minel Weston, which is the horn that I play. So now I am a BNS Minel Weston artist, and, um, and this is after being a con artist. <laughs> like I see a pattern here. <laughs> moving up, moving up. Yeah, well, you know, con, uh, con artist to a B, BS artist. That's just pretty good. But no, I'm really excited to work with these guys. Like they're like it, it, they're the most respected company out there, and uh, it'll be it'll be awesome to wave the flag for them. You know, I love my Minel Weston. They don't even make my model anymore, so maybe they'll, they'll ship me a new one. That'd be nice. So that's what's going on with me, man. It's uh, and lately I've just been sitting at my house, like practicing guitar and uh, so now you're guitar whatever player else. Too. You see? <laughs> you do it all. Well, let's go into the college life first, okay? Okay. So, what have you learned in the real world versus the academic world? <laughs> so going going from a student, you mean into the real world? Yes, <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> I'm t- <laughs> it's uh, it's is it, it was is one of the darkest parts of my life when I realized that, like all of a sudden, all the things that school offered, you know, like uh, ensembles that got together, music that was given out, uh, having rehearsal spaces, having professors that cared about you, you know, all, all those things are suddenly stripped away, and you're like, well, now what? And then there's the, the realization when it's like, wait a minute, this is up to me. <laughs> like, I, I'm the one that has to uh, find the success out here. No one's just going to hand me the keys. And uh, it's hard. It's really tough. And then, and then so these, I, I, we can talk about this later um, if you want. Uh, but I didn't feel like I was totally prepared coming out of a music conservatory. Or actually, two music conservatories. Um I don't know, probably uh, more more things about entrepreneurship or how to find the proper counseling for when you're having a nervous breakdown. I mean, these are all things that you, you would want to know <laughs> going into music. school was better put in the music conservatory. I'm preparing you for the real world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I, I guess, yeah, the, the, the realization that, yeah, I got to. I got to do some audition. No one's going to be calling me. You know, I got to, I got to apply for things. I got to try out for things. I got to do some networking. I got to meet people, you know, school taught me how to play real well, but it didn't necessarily teach me how to be the type of person you need to be to succeed, you know, as, as either a performing musician or, you know, a teacher or both. So yeah, man, it's, um, it's, Sounds very you dark. Just, yeah, you just you got to stop worrying so much, and, and, you know, and, and that's what I would tell my, myself like 15 years ago. Okay. It's like you're so worried about making money, you're so worried about everything happens. Like if, if you just follow what your heart wants to do, you know, we're we're not doing music to get rich, but we do we do need to make a living. 
but if you if you keep at it with, with your intent is to to spread good and to uh do everything you can to make the world a better place well um the success will come uh that's what i would tell myself like stop stop ruining every day worrying about financial things or the unknown like everything in my life that has happened is totally unpredicted <laughs> like it's, it's it's stuff that i i didn't think would happen so there's a lesson in there somewhere <laughs> no, 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 that's a very big insight well how do you students see the jazz world the ones that you're currently teaching well uh actually it was it's nice because this semester i got to teach a uh, jazz improvisation seminar uh it didn't help the students degree at all like they didn't need to take it but i still got a full class um where i finally got to t teach like 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 uh, all different instrumentalists and even a vocalist um how exactly to practice for jazz and, and how even the word jazz like if, if we're learning jazz it means that we're also enabling ourselves to play almost any musical genre because that's kind of what jazz is like you can't just define jazz like it was just swing or it's just the boss or it's just the samba or, it's like like learning jazz enables you to learn the fundamentals to learn there to be able to play what you hear and you hear other styles and you can duplicate it like like that's 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 when I teach jazz. That's what I'm focusing on is is not only introducing everybody to, to traditional rep and stuff that uh, stuff that got it all started, but um, but more of the listening and the the fundamentals and the in instruments and the theory and the scales and the arpeggios. Like I tell them, it's it's not it's not a uh, it's not glamorous the scales and arpeggios and running all these patterns and I was like, but man, it's that's that's the building block of what we do. And what we the, the goal is to connect our brain to our instruments, um, and we can't do that if we're worried about playing an F sharp, you know, my, you know, Dorian or whatever. Like, um, we don't quite know the fingerings, or you know, you got to know it up and down, um, every key, every scale, and and that's you know. So we start we start with that, and then it's just a lot of playing. Uh, you can talk forever about becoming a better improviser. You can talk forever about uh, being a better jazz player, but it, it, it just has to be done. It has to do you got to, you got to put it in the time. You got to, you got to, you got to shed it. And that's really it. Okay. I agree on that. And what is something people seem to misunderstand about the music world when you bring up at least the music theory part, or you bring up this practicing part or et cetera? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're talking to a normal person that, that doesn't do music for a living, I mean, what, the, what do they see? They see the voice. You know, they they, yeah. they see uh, America's Got Talent. Everyone, all these singing competitions. They're like, yeah, I guess that's how you uh, that's how you make it in the music world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's, it, that's that's kind of the extent of it. Uh, other than that, is just you know, people don't really understand uh, what it takes first to master something like an instrument, and then to actually use it to make <laughs> to living either teaching or playing or both. Or it should be all of the above. Um, uh, as far as you know, my my students, what they don't understand about the music world is, um, uh, it's you know, we all tell. I tell them, I tell them, I try to be as honest with my students as possible, and like some of them, it can scare some of them. But like, this is not easy. And I said, the the it, it, unless your heart is completely devoted to like like, I want to be an opera singer. Okay, you be an opera singer. Like, I can't live without opera. Like, if you can't live without opera. You know, then you practice your, your opera and then become an opera singer, you know, but, but as, as I, I felt myself as a little more practical. I was just like, there's not many jobs out there for opera singers. Uh, in my case, it was orchestral tuba. 
I'm like, and not only that, I would also like to explore other avenues of music in my career. Uh, so I should try to be as versatile as possible. And that's, if, if you take away anything from, from anything I say, it's like, you, you got to be versatile. Like, uh, everyone around me is like, oh, you play every instrument, you play everything. I'm like, well, I, I, and they just say you're naturally talented. Like, no, no, no. I made a self, uh, you know, I made a, a conscious decision to learn, like, how to get chops on piano. I'm, I'm learning guitar a lot better now. You know, I, when I was a tuba player, I was like, I should also learn bass. I should also learn acoustic, like, upright bass for classical playing. Like, be versatile. You don't know what's going to come along. Because the, the first job that I got was here at Southeastern, and it was for theory, music theory. Now, I don't have a PhD in theory. Like, it's almost unheard of for, for uh, to get a, a tenure-track position in theory without having a PhD, but they saw something they liked in the interview, and I just happened to know theory really well. You know, I just, it was just something I was really good at. And I had a bit of experience teaching as a TA, um, and it landed me my first job. I never would have guessed, you know, that, that after all that worrying and doubting that, like, you know, my, my first, the first, like, big university gig I would land would be for theory. Uh, so it just goes to show, like, like just learn as much as possible because you don't know what, what's going to happen out there. Yeah, but as a bass player in general, I feel you're in more demand than the average instrumentist. So I don't know. <laughs> Do you think that affects your, yourself, that affects your colleagues? That... Uh, well, um, hmm, uh, as a bass, yeah, I, that's, that's, that's the old motto, like, you want to you, you never you want to uh, have work all the time you know be a bass player so everybody everybody needs bass players so I, I I totally agree with that but like I've um what I've been doing lately is I play tuba as well um and I find that even gets me more gigs if I bring both so I can switch between because I can do the same thing I can do on tuba that I can do on bass um and and that makes it even more valuable um but uh, I mean there's a there's a demand for all all sorts of instruments you can say that you know well there's there's just there's 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 a shortage somewhere i don't know there's uh, of drummers or bassists or but i don't know if if you're in a good town you got a good community then you're going to find work and that's what it's really about is community it's about who you meet it's about who you talk to and who who you you know you show up to hear someone play you go to a jam session and um and and don't be a jerk (laughs) i mean that's it, it sounds, you know, of course, don't be a jerk, but really, like, there's so many good players out there now, and, and I mean, and they're having for a long time, but there's always more and more, and um, you might as well make it easy on yourself and be a nice person, you know, as, as well as a killing, you know, killing bass player. So, yeah. So, since you graduated, and I believe that was in 2012, right, or 2011? Uh, oh, man, when I... I finally pulled the trigger on the doctorate. It might have been 11, yeah. 11? Okay. Well, what have you noticed in the music scene that has changed since then? Because I could tell you, at least on my part in New York City, the amount of jazz clubs that have been closing, the amount of just live performance centers that have been closing. Yeah, I've I've definitely seen that. Um, Living here in Durant, Oklahoma, my first thing was like, well, there's going to be no gigs. You know, no no one's going to want live music here. I find... Uh, my eight years here, it's been, it's been really nice. Like the community here has been excellent. Uh, no trouble finding work and then playing down in Dallas. But, um, yeah, what, what I, what I, what I've seen lately is it's, it's getting harder to get relationships with, uh, um, with businesses, you know, because, you know, first of all, being a musician makes it volatile. And then like 
the, the, the food service industry and where, where a lot of jazz players play, you know, usually has something to do with the food industry and, and that's volatile as well. Um, so, so all in all, like I, I see a lot of struggles and now lately, you know, with this, yeah. with, with, with this, with, with, with this, uh, this, this thing going on, that's that making us all second. stay home. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's completely shut us, it shut that side of me down, you know, I was looking forward to spring. <laughs> well, it shut the uh, hats on, I could tell you. <laughs> yeah, man, I had a lot of gigs that I wanted to play, so it's some really cool places, and, well, just got to put that on hold for a bit, um, but, but, yeah, in the last 10 years, um, it's been harder to find, to find places that, that not only, you know, will pay, uh, a decent amount, but you know, I, I I do find playing jazz is actually a plus because if they're hiring a band, a lot of the times that these places want is a nobody's listening band. That's what I call it. Like you're playing, but nobody's listening. <laughs> and uh, some friends of mine, you know, we we have a band here that we play in co- country clubs and resorts and uh, cocktail hours and stuff. But we pride ourselves on how quiet we can play, like live, with a three or four piece group, um, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, is, is that frustrating? Yeah, 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 a little bit, a little bit as a musician, but understanding like we're there for the venue, we're there to make them money. So we take pride in, in doing what they ask. And as jazz musicians and talented musicians, you know, we can play really softly. <laughs> and there's one time this dude, he, he was at his, he was eating at his table. He got a phone call. And he stepped away from his table and he, he stepped towards the band and he stood in front of us and took his phone call. Now, most of the time, you'd say that's very, very rude. But uh, for us, we're like, yeah, man, we are at the perfect level here. Because, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, but, you know, we, it's, it's, that, that's, that's what jazz has sort of become around here. That's what people want for events when they say they want jazz. They actually want some, some low atmosphere music. That's what I found. Okay. So where do you think jazz would be in like 10 years at this rate? Do you think it would be dying? Do you think it would go... <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, and jazz is such a such a hard word to define. This uh, covers so many so much ground. Um, I mean, they already teach jazz in conservatories. You know, they say if you're trying to, you know, something's taught in a the conservatory, then that music is officially dead. So maybe jazz died long ago, but <laughs> wow. I don't know. As, lo- <laughs> as long as people are out there curious, it's about curiosity, uh, and. When, when, when people get bored and they're okay with being bored, then that's when we're in trouble. Uh, especially with music. And that's, you know, pop music today. That's the, de- that's almost the definition. It's like bored music just produced. It's, uh, jazz though. Like, yeah. Uh, the spirit of jazz. The thing about this podcast <laughs> that I was pushing was that I personally don't believe in the few jazz stations that are left in this country that they get acknowledged. They don't get played. Miles Davis mm. is still being played. Charlie Parker is still being played. And don't get me wrong, I love them. But when was the last time you saw them perform? <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, that'd be quite a sight. I I wouldn't believe you if you said <laughs> it was recently. Um, but but yeah, it's the same thing with the classical music world too. I mean, there there are composers out there composing new symphonic works, and there's it's all happening. But that's that's not what's that's not what's drawing the money. If, so the h- hardcore jazz nichers, enthusiasts that they, they, they need to keep hearing, uh, you know, the same Miles Davis and the same Charlie Parker. And I know I've, I listen to it all the time, but, um, there needs, to, like I said, it comes back to curiosity. 
like yes yes uh, uh, you know the, the the musicians and the genius that spawned the movement of jazz and you know going the hundreds a hundred years back um, that's that's all well and good but things need to evolve and people need to remain curious uh, so I I have all the reverence in the world for for that material and those songs and those musicians in that time period uh, but we we, we got to keep moving. Um, you know, one thing in common that we all have, we're all still playing covers. <laughs> like, oh, definitely. Like, they, you know, they, they, they did it too. We're all, we're all, do, they were doing the musicals. You know, I, I played Old Town Road the other day <laughs> at a gig. Um, you know, you know, Britney Spears or ACDC or like, like we, we will, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's what people want to hear. They don't know the melodies from these musicals from the, from the thirties and forties. Like they know what they hear on the radio and what we can do is take this stuff on the radio. As long as the venue we're in has paid all of their fees. <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother thing. That's a different thing. Um, all control most of the time. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, pe- people are so much more responsive when, when the head, when we're playing the head to foreigner or, or like Boston or Madonna or we just, you know, uh, Soundgarden, like, like we'll, we'll play anything. Um, and when people recognize it, then they become engaged. And when they become engaged and we made a connection and that's what the music is about, you know, they can, they can stop eating their country fried steak for just a minute. And like, they're like, wow, that's, that's a really, really cool version of Hall and Oates, rich girl. <laughs> You know, they, they like it. It's a, it's a good thing, and you gotta, you got to move with the times. I agree on that. Well, what is something I should ask you that I don't know enough about you to ask? Something that... <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure what I should admit to. I might run for office one day. <laughs> um, you should ask me... Um, Oh, ask me about my hobbies. <laughs> well, and, okay, go. Name one of your oh. hobbies. That's, that's All right, one of my hobbies. I, I take pictures. I take pictures of beverages at Walmart's and Kroger's and and uh, uh, quick trips. You know, gas stations. They got these apps online that, um, as I travel, if I'm traveling or I'm on tour and stuff or something, whatever town I'm in. I could take pictures of like Mountain Dew and then the company pays me money. <laughs> and for some reason, I just get it. I, I'm hooked on this thing. Uh, today I was taking pictures of coffee, um, you know, and it's just on the way wherever I'm going and they send me cash. Like, like that's, I, I've, I've been working on that lately. Actually, uh, I got into that because my wife got stuck in Vietnam because of this whole uh, virus pandemic. Um so my wife was gone and I was like, well, what do I do? You know, she's, she's not here. So, so I was like, how can I, you know, make money by just driving around and listening to tunes? And, um, <laughs> so it just became a little hobby of mine. I, I, I kind of enjoy it, but it's, it's a non-musical thing, but just like always be earning. Oh, that's always, you know, you gotta, you gotta hit I the pavement. You gotta hit like it run and take those, take those pictures. <laughs> take pictures of Mountain Dew. Okay. <laughs> So, if I've removed all the barriers, all the constraints, all the rules of music, and you can oh my make God. your perfect ideal project. A perfect ideal. Oh, man, you just shot me up with that sodium pentothal. Oh, like all the jazz, all the jazz ideas. My ideal project. Um, here's, here's what I'm working on right now, and I'm trying to make it come true. When you say ideal project, like I'm, 
if I, if you're not working towards your ideal project, then then you need to reconsider your ideal projects. Like you should always be thinking about it. Um, I I need I, <laughs> this is this is another thing I've been looking into a lot lately. It's about the concept of you know playing gigs. Uh, I, I know you for one man. You're you're not a big fan of playing gigs. <laughs> like, I would go uh, that <laughs> <laughs> the drum set, not your thing. Like you know, and, and I I play I play a lot of hundred dollar gigs here, hundred dollar gigs there. You know, for restaurants and for places. And but uh, but what what I want to do is bring the concert back. Like put on a concert, and that's that's something that should be taught in college. Like how, how do I put on a concert? So I get together with like three or four of my friends or my colleagues or my faculty members of the college or whoever. Um, and we're all really good and we play tunes together. We can also shred separately. So we all get kind of a, you know, we, we get a spotlight during the concert. Um, it's, a you know, it's, and then we just appreciate the audience and we, we make sure that, uh, they have the most, uh, awesome time at the concert. Like this is that we don't have many concerts going on these days because no one's putting them on because I don't think many people have the organizational skills or know how. Well, it might also so be I'm, the cost issue <laughs> to rent out the that? venue. It might be the cost issue to rent out the venue, to advertise for it. Unless you're a big star in general, I think that's more of the issue. Probably. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I'm looking into, I'm going to a small community, uh, in Wyoming. And so, so looking for venues, things like that, you, like you start thinking outside the box, like you're using, um, seeing, seeing what the town has to offer as far as, as, as facilities. I mean, that's town for town basis, but, um, I don't know. We, we, we need to find a way to get the public, to get the public engaged. Um, and yeah, it, it includes all the things you're talking about, the advertising, you know, trying to find a bottom line trying to find funding, trying to find sponsors if you, if you, if you need it. Um, but this, this is something that, that, like I said, is not taught in high school or much in college about how to go out there and like, because would, would you rather make, would you rather make a thousand dollars, you know, a night or, or play 10 gigs, you know, each ranging for about four to five hours. Um, what, and, and, then, and then once you have an act, once you have something that you can play, you have your friends with you, you have a set list, you have, you, you're going to go. I mean, that's, then you can travel around, then you can tour and, and try to, try to develop a fan base that way. Like I, I want to do it organically. Um, and, and I'm lucky I'm in a spot right now where I'm, I'm able to do that, uh, and not worry about things financially because I have my university job, um, so that's my, that's my ideal job or my ideal project right now is I want to make, I just want to make a great show. Um, that's good. It's, you know, it's, it's not just about playing, playing standards or, you know, just getting it to, to get it done with, but to, to actually put on a, a real show and think it through like a captivating, uh, kind of concert. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, also more than I expected you also. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is the best compliment you ever received? In terms the of the musical playing, by who? <laughs> the best compliment I ever received. Oh wow! <laughs> well, um, wow. That's it. <laughs> I mean, if 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 I have to think of how, oh, geez, 
I didn't think about I didn't think about this question. I would say uh, from Jeff Eccles. His name is Jeff Eccles. He's a bass player uh, in DFW, and I grew up listening to this guy. It was uh, on NPR. It was a it was a show called What Do You Know with Michael Feldman, um, and it was on every Saturday. And it was a talk show. Michael Feldman had a, he had a game show he would do. And he had guests. He was a funny guy, and it was uh, it was all all good times. Um, but they had a, a bass player and a piano player. That was the band. It was uh, John Tooley on piano, Jeff Eccles on bass. So I grew up listening to Jeff Eccles uh, play bass, and I you know I I, I kind of learned how to walk by getting up real real close to the radio and. Uh, trying to figure out the chords that he was getting to. Like, I, I grew up, you know, uh, listening a ton to this guy, Jeff Eccles. And um, I finally met him uh, just a little while ago. Real nice guy. And I was just, oh, my God, it's Jeff Eccles. Like, I can't believe it. Um, and I, I'd say the, the compliment comes from the guy, the, one of the, the dr- a drummer that, that hires me often. When I told him that I couldn't make a gig. And he's like, well, don't worry, I'll get, I'll get Jeff Eccles to sub for you. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, oh my, I, I never, you know, it was just one of those, like, he's my hero. <laughs> I'm like, didn't seem right, but it was, it just, it just meant, meant so much to me because like my playing pretty much is Jeff Eccles and I, I owe everything, uh, about my jazz playing to him pretty much. So oh, that's yeah, that was a, that was a great feeling. Like I said, that's one reason why we're trying to do this, to get people more inspired by other accomplished musicians that are currently Definitely. in the music scene. So, <laughs> Tristan, before you go, got to ask you these questions. You got to tell okay. me, paying, you know, paying some respect to the older generation. Oh, I'm sure. going to give you two artists. You tell me yeah. which one you'd rather have for your album or just to listen to. Okay? <laughs> okay. So on trumpet, Lee Morgan or Freddie Herbert? Oh man, I, I'm gonna have to go with with, uh, with Lee Morgan. Just cause, <laughs> uh, uh, just lo- love the love love the sound and love the sound. Um, I've got to forget the albums that I, I grew up listening to with him on, but I, I would go with Lee Morgan for sure. Okay. Um, I write some real tasty lines uh, for 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 him. <laughs> if he would be on my album, yeah, that's this is rich. <laughs> Who else? Saxophone, Stan Gass or Lester Young. Man, I go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Lester, Lester Young, just, just, just because I think he worked really well with Lee Morgan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> as far as ensemble playing. Trombone, Glenn Miller, or Al Gray. Mm. Well, you know, I would just to put in some spice into things. Let's, let's have Glenn Miller come in. He could call somebody, call somebody a name, begin to a fight, and then like all make up and play jazz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the keys, Bill Evans or Count Basin? <laughs> wow, I assume it'd be a guitarist. Let's go Count Basie, just because we don't want things to get cluttered. Fair, fair. Drums, Max Roach or Buddy Rich? <laughs> oh man, oh, oh. I don't know if you should have uh, Buddy Rich and Glenn Miller in the same band. So let's go with Roach. Let's let's let's, let's go with Max Rich. <laughs> okay, I'm just telling you right now, Buddy Rich is 99% of the time my pick. Uh, and finally, not, not, well, there's a one percent time. Then when, when is is that when Glenn Miller's in the band? No, that's when Billy's <laughs> available. Billy Cole. Well, okay. <laughs> and finally, you got Ray Brown 
mm. on Paul Chambers. Mm. Oh man, let's go, Mr. PC. Let's go, let's go, Paul Chambers for for my fantasy the, to, to finish up my fantasy group. That's awesome. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, once again, <laughs> we got Tristan on our show. Improv Exchange. Tristan, tell people how to reach out to you, where to find you. Well, uh, for the meantime, you can find me. Uh, I got a Twitter account, Tristan Egner. Um, I don't tweet much, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, Facebook, I'm, I'm up there, Tristan Egner. Uh, you can you can email me at uh, tegner at se.edu. And uh, also on YouTube, Tubatano, T-U-B-A-T-A-N-O. There's a channel there with a lot of my work. Um, it, we're just it, probably if you search for me, you could probably find a number that'll get to me. <laughs> so <laughs> if you like to, so good luck. Understood. And like I said, this is Leander Young, Improv Exchange. Have a good night, everyone. That's that on Jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Improv Exchange. Hope to see you back next time.